Have you ever picked up one of those magazines at the checkout at the grocery store? Anybody picked up one of those magazines and just kind of flipped through them while you waited? It's okay. I won't judge you. Have you ever picked up one of those magazines? I've heard people do it. <laughs> I don't do it. I would never do that. Why in the world would I pick up one of those magazines at the cashier when I have it waiting for me at home? <laughs> I have my own subscription. That's right. I actually subscribe to that magazine. So it comes to my house. Why would I stand in line and read it when I could read it from the comfort of my own couch? And there are people at my house that don't think that that's very good. They're like, why would you waste? Why in the world are you interested? But I can't help it. I like to follow the stories and sightings of my very famous friends. I can't help myself. So immediately when I get this magazine, I start to look through it and see the red carpet, what people are doing. And if I don't have a whole lot of time, I'm going to go right to the meat. I'm going to go right to the middle where I can read all the little snippets. Who's had a baby? Who's getting married? Who's divorced? Who's gone to court? I mean, did you know Gwyneth Paltrow like literally sued someone for a dollar? It was very fascinating. I want to read all these little things. It's interesting to me. And whether or not you read them, you can't help but have an image and descriptions of people. It's because culture has made it so that when we hear a name of a person, we immediately have all of these descriptions of a person. And we have these images of what they look like. And so for fun today, I'm going to show that I do know that you have read these magazines with me. We're going to do a little exercise. I'm going to say a name and you're going to tell me what you think immediately. Tell me what descriptive words come to your mind when I say a person's name, okay? Are you ready? You can even tell me what they look like if you want. We'll have a practice one. Are you ready? It's interactive. You have to tell me things. All right, the first name I'll give you just as practice. What comes to mind when you hear the word, the name, the person, Elvis. Jumpsuit. <laughs> Jumpsuit. That's good. Anything else? Music. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was good. Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for another one? More current? A little bit more? Not that Elvis isn't current. He's always current. But another one. Are you ready? Taylor Swift. What does she look like? Yeah. There you go. You know exactly, right? You have an immediate image. You know immediate description. Okay, here's another one. Are you ready? Chris Rock. I heard it. I heard the slap. Funny. Comedian. Yeah. You know what he looks like Give him my, in your mind. Do you have an image? Yeah, you better book. Yeah, of course you do. You ready for another one? Harry Styles. <laughs> what was it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
You have words. You have an image, right? Okay. You want another one? Are you ready for another one? Judas. Betrayer. Betrayer. (laughs) Yeah. What did Judas look like? Anybody? You have an image of him, don't you? You have words for him, don't you? In my mind, I think Judas might have been like this, you know. (laughs) Like you have an image of what Judas, you knew immediately where he went. Okay, you ready for another one? Mary. What do you think of, what descriptive words do you hear with Mary? Yeah, actually there are 13 Marys, so that's a good question. There are 13 Marys in Scripture, which one exactly? Because there are tons of stories attributed to all these 13 Marys. Does Mary, and what does your Mary look like? Where's your Mary from? Is it Mary Magdalene? Mary, Mary Bethany? Mary the mother? What does she look like? Does she have the long hair for, to wipe Jesus' feet? Does your Mary, does she wear blue for the mother? What's your Mary look like? You have words, you have images, you have stories in your mind, don't you? Okay, you ready for one more? Thomas. Doubter. That's what I heard. Doubter. There are some of us in the room who haven't gone to church a whole lot. There's some of us in the room who haven't hung out with churchy people, and so we don't know a lot about Thomas. There are some of us here who have gone to church a lot and who have heard a lot of churchy stories, and we don't know a lot about Thomas. Pretty much there are only two things we know about Thomas, that he was a twin and that he doubted. The scripture gives him the nickname, the twin, and the church people have given him the nickname, Doubting Thomas. And Thomas is very interesting to me because he's only in one gospel. Do you know what it is? The gospel of John. And that's interesting because out of all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Typically, we have the same things. We have the same stories. We have the same events. We have the same places. We have the same people. Because in general, all four are telling us the same bigger picture. And if you put all four together, you would notice that there are so many similarities. They overlap. And even if the timings are a bit different, or even if their stories of the places are a bit different, they typically are going to use the same people, and they even might have people, the same people, just in different places, except for one. And that's Thomas. Thomas is the only one to only appear in one gospel of John. The other interesting thing about Thomas is the placement of his story. Last Sunday for Easter, we read the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. And that's important 
because that's like the Easter story. It's the story of Jesus in the empty tomb. And it ends for John in verse 18. That is John's Easter message. And do you know where the story of Thomas is? The very next verse. We begin to hear the story of Thomas, the verse after Easter story. So this person that we don't know that much about, that we don't really even know how he looks or his description, we have his story beginning in the verse after Easter. And so I invite you to read the chapter with me. So today we're going to read John 20 verses 19 through 31. And you can read them in your Bible. You can read them off your phone if you want to, or you can follow along with me on the screens. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven then. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples had to tell him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in him. 
I hope you were able to get a visual with me, a picture with me. Because if there were to be a magazine cover, this would be it. This is the shot the photographer would want. In my mind's eye, I see Jesus. And for some reason, there's a shadowy figure of Jesus. And his face, it looks humble, yet strong. There's a compassion and yet confidence there. And in this visual of Jesus, you have Thomas with his hand through his side. This is a sighting story. It's a sighting story of Thomas and a sighting story of Jesus. This is the second Sunday in Easter, the second of six. And this is the season where we begin to look for the sightings. We look for appearances of Jesus. Now that the tomb is empty, now that the stone has been rolled away, Jesus will begin to make these appearances to people in town. And the people will begin to write about them. But the story of Thomas is misleading. Here you have this story of Thomas. And Thomas is hearing about Jesus appearing to the disciples, and he said, I'm not going to believe it till I see it and I feel it with my own hands. So Jesus appears, says to Thomas, well, come on, I'm right here. And of course, as soon as Thomas approaches him, Jesus says, do not doubt. And when Thomas puts his hand in the side, Thomas says, My Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. And that is the phrase that makes Thomas crucial and critical and important and memorable. Thomas is the very only person in the entire New Testament to call Jesus God. He's the only one in the entire New Testament that only calls him God. He never called him teacher, never called him Rabboni, never called him father, friend, not Messiah, my God. And another smaller version or story of Thomas, we have another time when Thomas in the face of death goes and says, let us go be with our friend. Thomas is becoming a person of strength and a person of loyalty and a person of commitment. The one who doubts is the one who shows us a strength of faith. The one who doubts is the one who says, this is our God. The one who doubts is the one who reached out. The one who doubts is the one that shows us the power of hands. And we all know how powerful our hands can be, don't we? We know that our hands carry both the power to be destructive and beautiful. Right now, we know that people use their hands to pull triggers and to slap and to post horrible things on social media and to do horrible things to their bodies. And we must resist the temptation to ever be complacent about that. Because if there is evil in the world, that is it. 
in a world of gun violence and physical violence and intimate violence, we know that hands are important. And it's in that world where Thomas is bringing us a moment of hope and a sign of resurrection and a sign of life and a sign of love through something as simple as his hands. And he's not the only one to do it. It's not the only place in scripture that we have moments of incredible importance with hands. In the Old Testament, Moses spent seven days, seven days with a man named Aaron and his sons. And for seven days, Moses used his hands to bathe them, to clothe them, to crown them, and to anoint them. We hear over and over again about how our hands can take these big, horrible, vicious beasts and make them gentle. They used to take these bulls and with the laying on of hands, make them sacred. Read the book of Numbers and the book of Leviticus, and it will give you so many ways of using your hands. In the New Testament, people would wade into the water only to be baptized by the hands of John. When there were people in the book of Acts who were ready to tell their own sighting, to tell their own story, and to use their words to paint an image of Christ for others, they knelt down so Stephen could lay their hands on them. There was a woman who was bleeding for 12 years, 12 years. And she saw Jesus and reached out with her hands just to skim the hem of his garment. In the church today, we use our hands for Ash Wednesday. We use our hands to do communion, to receive it and to give it. And still to hold a child or a person, we use our hands for baptism. One theologian said, hands that reach for healing and blessing move not away from Jesus, but toward him. What we do with our hands matters. And that's what Thomas taught us. That's what Thomas taught then and now. And so I think Thomas gets a bad rap. I think my magazines get a bad rap too. I mean, is everything in my magazine helpful? No. <laughs> but I love stories. I look for stories everywhere. And these magazines can have some of the most touching stories. In just the most recent one I received, I read a beautiful story about a mom who had four babies at one time, two sets of twins. And as soon as she had these babies, they were brought to her. And the nurses said, you cannot touch them. We have to teach you how to touch them first. 
And she said, oh, don't worry about that. I have two others at home. I've done this. And the nurse says, no, these are different. You see, they were born early and their skin was thin and a certain touch would hurt them. So this mother had to be trained how to touch with her hands her babies. And she was, and she did. In fact, beginning that moment, the first day of their lives, she spent one hour with each of them individually, one hour a day, doing nothing but holding them, touching them, being intentional to use her hands not to harm. Our hands have the power to be the descriptive words. Our hands have that power to be that image someone thinks of. Our hands are the reflection of our faith. And so today, we're going to bless them. We're going to bless our hands together. And so, what I want you to do is get out these hands and put them in front of you. And in the beginning of our time together, I gave you a name of a person and you gave me the descriptions. Today, in our blessing, you're going to repeat what I say. And for the description, you will fill in the names. So as we say these together, be prepared. There will be a moment where you must shout out your own names of that person in your mind. Are you ready? Put your hands and repeat after me. Gracious and holy Lord, these hands are dedicated to you. These hands are dedicated to you. These are the hands that will not give in to temptation. These are the hands that will not give in to temptation. These are the hands that with the slightest touch will create. These are the hands that with the slightest touch will create. These are the hands that will comfort. These are the hands that will And these are those in my mind. These are those in my mind. My son, my daughter, my parent, my friend, my neighbor. These are the hands that will hold others when they are afraid. These are the hands that will hold others when they are afraid. Those in my mind are those in my mind. These are the hands that will wipe away tears of sorrow. These are the hands that will wipe away tears of sorrow. Those in my mind are. These are the hands that will tenderly hold your children. These are the hands that will tenderly hold your children. 
those in my mind are. These are the hands that will take only peace to painful situations. These are the hands that will take only peace to painful situations. And those in my mind are. These are the hands that will provide food for others. These are the hands that will provide food for others. Those in my mind are. These are the hands that will anoint someone for more than they know. These are the hands that will anoint someone for more than they know. And those in my mind are. These are the hands that will help me talk to someone. These are the hands that will help me talk to someone. Those in my mind are. Gracious Lord, we do offer our hands to you, and we are so thankful for the many things that have already been created, for music that's created, for clothes that are created, for lives that are created, for homes that are created. And so now we give them to you and ask for so much more. This week, may we be mindful of what we do. May we be mindful in our vocations. May we be mindful at school. May we be mindful in our own private times. May we be mindful of what we do and how it could possibly tell your story and be your sighting for someone else. Amen.